if you could please turn in your Bibles and put your finger in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Lucy spoke last week about falling in love with the Bible. And she qualified by saying that um, her father said to her, well, uh, Lucy, shouldn't we fall in love with Jesus? She really had a great answer. She says, yes, but the Bible teaches us how to do that. And um, I'm so one with her on those comments, falling in love with the Bible. It is one of the things my mother taught me from a very, very young age was to love the Bible. And it's amazing um, when we look back and we see the people who influenced our lives. Oftentimes at that time, it's not the people that you recognize, but when you look back in life, you realize who it really was. And um, I'm really grateful for that. I wanna this morning just carry on from the excellent message that we received last week. And I want to speak about the power of the Word of God. I believe the power that oftentimes we look for, we find in so many other places. And um, the Word of God is a powerful resource that God has given to us so that we can overcome. And... Um, and so I want us to look at this subject today, the power of the Word of God. It is not anything new to my life. Um, I was very fortunate at a young age to have several people to uh, teach the Word of God to me in a relational form. And I've absolutely cherished the Word of God um, through all of my life. And um, this is what Terry Virgo says. He says, we might have a multitude of views about God and his ways, but in the Bible, God has spoken. That changes everything. It's not simply accurate information. The word of God is living and active. It's what Tim Keller calls God's power in verbal form. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses 13 and 14 says this. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me read it that again. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, left by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. There has to be a miracle that takes place that transforms us out of the darkness 
that we find ourselves in into the glorious light, the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. You cannot be saved if you do not have truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not one or the other, it is a combination. And so when we look at the power of the word of God, another way to experience it, we can talk about the priority of the word of God within our faith. It is not an a, 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 a extra add-on to our lives. It is pivotal to our Christianity. And that's why Lucy's message was so important for us as a church that we give the word of God priority within our lives. Because when we give the word of God priority within our lives, Jesus becomes so much more precious to us as the Holy Spirit takes that word and he makes it real within us. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for it is the word of God which is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The priority of the word of God within our lives, which becomes the powerful operation of God within our life. It doesn't matter what experience you have, if the Bible isn't central to it, it isn't a Christian experience. I was very privileged at Bible college to be taught that um, experience follows truth. Truth doesn't follow experience. So our Christianity is based on the word of God When we apply it to our lives, it becomes the living word of God by faith. And this word speaks to us. And it becomes a word that frees us to love Jesus more and more and more. I have been in context where the word of God has been used as a legalistic do's or don'ts that condemns people, but it is read then and understood then outside the context of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who frees us into this freedom through faith. The Hebrew writer says, the book of Hebrews, that the word of God needs to be mixed with faith. Then it becomes a living word within our hearts. That's when the word of God becomes very, very powerful. And as a young boy up to today, I just highly value the word of God and, and, and it's a priority within our lives. It's a priority within our church here. Yeah. We preach from the Bible. We preach the Bible. And Jesus is incredibly precious to us because of that. It is very, very hard for people to fall in love with the scriptures, if we don't trust the scriptures. It is almost saying to a wife to love her husband, 
or a husband to love his wife if they don't trust each other. And the word of God is exactly the same. When we start to trust the Bible, it becomes a living word that brings life to us. And so it is very, very important that when we approach the word of God that we approach it in a manner where the word of God becomes powerful within our lives. And that is what the gospel does when we meet Jesus. It opens up our eyes and we start to read the word of God in a new way. Paul in the book of Corinthians says that for the natural mind, it is almost impossible for the natural mind to understand the spiritual book. Can I hear just a yes on that? Do you understand that? And the way that you become a spiritual mind is when you encounter the Lord Jesus, he saves you, he puts his Holy Spirit within you and you start to read the Bible differently. And suddenly you want to read the Bible. And as you start to read the Bible, you understand more and more and more and more about the Bible. And the Bible becomes a life-giving source within your life. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is never more present than when we read the Bible. And this is a big one for you to say yes. Because he's the author of this book. And so when you pick up this book, he's with us. And he rejoices over us. And he just loves it. And he comes and he says, oh, you're reading my book. Have you ever heard some authors who would say, you're reading my book and they're so excited about it. Let me tell you about my book. Yes, go and read it, but let me tell you about my book. This is what the Holy Spirit does. When we pick up the Bible, the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us about what he wrote when he inspired men of old to write this book in translation form that we have today within our very, very, very hands. And so when I read the Bible, the scriptures, I anticipate that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. The Hebrew writer again says in Hebrews chapter one that God has chosen to speak to us today through his son. And that's what the Holy Spirit does so beautifully as Lucy taught us last week, that we read the Bible the Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to us through the different scriptures. And that's why I think the Bible is gonna become more and more precious to us because we love Jesus and we honor the work of the Holy Spirit. I think this is so well illustrated when we look at Luke chapter 24. And I would like you to see the power of the word of God as we read these scriptures. And as we read it, remember we're reading the scriptures that the Holy Spirit read. And it's not gonna be by accident that as we read it now that the Holy Spirit is gonna speak to you. Why? Because he loves to speak to us when we talk about the Bible, when we read the Bible. The author of it, it's a living word. It's not a dead word, it's not just pages or a screen that you're looking at, but it's a living word. And so let's look at Luke chapter 24. 
This is the journey of two disciples after the death of Jesus to Emmaus. It outlines for us the journey that they took. And as they were on that journey towards Emmaus, which was about seven miles away from Jerusalem, their hearts were saddened within themselves. They were without hope. And the risen Christ steps into their company. And the Bible says their eyes were closed, were kept so that they couldn't see him. And we pick up this very exciting journey right here. Verse 13, it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces still downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word indeed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we, listen to this, had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. Never doubt the word of her lady. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And listen to how Jesus deals with their situation of hopelessness, with their doubt, It says here, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, listen, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And opened what? The scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and they and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen 
and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The gospel was given to them as they broke bread. Jesus used the scriptures, the Bible, the Old Testament, to speak into the context of their lives. And whatever situation they found themselves in here, Jesus took the scriptures and he taught them about himself. How about that? Jesus takes the Old Testament and he says, this is what they actually wrote about me. And this must have been one of the most amazing teaching experiences that anyone could have for Jesus to sit down and talk to them. But I want you to see how Jesus does it. Jesus doesn't just um, very calmly and carefully just touch the surface of their hearts. He speaks very direct and very straight to them. And he gives them the truth of the word of God. My friends, the Bible says that it is his truth that sets us free. And we see here that the truth is given to them and they are free. Jesus calls them foolish in this passage of scripture. Yet I am amazed when I look at the Bible characters that they were very straight when they talked to people about the word of God. I think we become so nice and we're so afraid to offend each other that when we give people the truth, the truth goes straight over their heads because the truth is meant to offend us when we are walking in error. And that is what Jesus says here. A number of times, he just goes straight into their hearts and he says, how foolish you are to believe the things that you are. He says, let me now teach the truth to you. The word of God is so powerful that when we trust it, and as we share it in love with people, remember love tells people the truth, it doesn't lie to people. But when we speak the truth in love to people, there's a number of things that will happen. And this is why the Bible is so powerful, and that is why the Bible needs to be prioritized within our lives. It's because it brings freedom and we see here the word of God breaks through their sorrow and their disappointment and Jesus gives them hope again as he speaks to them. Luke chapter 24 verse 17 says, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They were so sad when we look at verse 17. My friends, you may find encouragement in so many different ways and in so many different things. 
I want to encourage us as a church again, when we feel downcasted, when we are feeling overwhelmed, there is always time for us to push back for five minutes, open the scriptures, and to start reading the scriptures. And my friends, the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, will take the scriptures. He'll break through our sorrow. He'll break through our disappointment. And he will give us encouragement. I cannot tell you how many times over the years when I was disappointed, when I was sad, verging on just wanting to give up, I would take the word of God and I would read it. And how the word of God would come and break through the sorrow within my life, the disappointment that came to me and the sense of hopelessness and the word of God injects life into my spirit. And my friends, as we see here the word of God breaking into the lives of these two disciples and it brought courage and hope to them. The habit that I have in speaking to people when they come and see me, when I have a chance just to minister to them, is that I have my Bible with me. <laughs> and oftentimes before people come, um, I would pray and I'd ask God, just give me a word from the Bible to give to them. Why? Because we believe that the Bible is powerful can break into those situations. And life can come to them. We don't use the Bible to condemn people. That's not the spirit of Christ. We use the Bible to bring freedom to the lives of people. Like Jesus did as he spoke to them, the word of God broke through their sorrows and their disappointments. The word of God does not always only bring us joy. But there is times when the word of God brings us sadness. And so let's be very careful not to deceive ourselves that we only want to look at the word of God and to believe that it's just gonna bring us joy. If you remember, in Mark's account, and the encounter between Jesus and the rich young ruler, we are told, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So I want to teach the word of God in its entirety. The word of God will bring hope. The will of God will bring freedom. But there are times when the will of God, when the word of God will bring sadness. You give the word of God to people and people don't embrace it. There will be sadness. 
And I think sometimes we're so afraid that the word of God is going to bring sadness into the lives of people when they reject it that we don't give them the truth. We see here on this occasion that Jesus speaks to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the word of God breaks through our sorrow and disappointment. And he gave them hope again. Secondly, the word of God is powerful to speak to our doubts. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And began, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning to him. My friends, this powerful word of God, the scriptures, will speak into our doubts. And we see that this is exactly what Jesus did. They doubted whether he rose from the dead. He used the scriptures and it brought clarity, brought courage, but it also brought belief and faith. My friends, some of us today need some belief and faith based in the situation that we find ourselves in. A guy called Dustin Bench says this, Scripture is never clear to those who disagree with its teaching, refuse to submit to its authority, and don't want to obey its commands. I want to encourage us as a church to read the word of God with this attitude and to say, Lord, I'm going to believe what the Bible says. My friends, if you pick certain parts of the Bible that you like and that you don't like, you're never going to trust the Bible. And this is one of the things that is most disturbing within our lives when we pick this part of the Bible and since that part doesn't quite agree with us, we just put it to the side. How can you expect to trust the Bible if you pick on it? Truth comes to us and we can trust this truth only if we have the attitude that as I'm reading it, and I allow it to adjust me. We see here that secondly, the scriptures spoke into their doubts. I want to encourage us as a church over this next year as we seek to center our lives and also our church life and our community life in the scriptures that we're going to allow the scriptures to break through our disappointments, but also speak into our doubts. Third point we don't have time for, which is just simply that the word of God is powerful because it reveals Jesus to us. And we see that this is the conclusion of the story. Their eyes opened up and they saw Jesus. And all of that is history. 
these guys moved on and they worshiped God together. 